There's a reason more pros choose redneck blinds over any other blind on the market. Combining amazing quietness, scent control, and usability features, you have the ultimate hunting blind. Give them a call or check them out online at redneckblinds.com. Dakota Silence, we're embracing better. Our focuses, revolutionary concealment, extreme silence, enhanced thermal efficiency, purpose-driven functionality. Unheard, unnoticed, uncompromised. You're listening to the Outdoor Podcast, proudly presented by Six Hour and created by Bowhunter Planet. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Outdoor Podcast. It is myself, Tim, and Dave tonight. We're talking about the fall season kickoff to our podcast series. Let's go, baby. We made it through spring. Um, we wanted to get <laughs> together a little bit and uh, chat about how, how spring and summer has gone for us and uh, give you a little bit of preview about, uh, you know, what might be coming up here in the fall, in the fall session. So, um Dave, man, you you've had a uh, pretty pretty nice year so far. Your your hunting season actually, in in, in relation to that, kicked off with a turkey hunt. <laughs> yeah, little apex a little apex challenge competition, and yeah. uh, you were successful in taking one, man. And I know because I was there. Yeah, that was a good time. And I'll be honest with you guys, uh, for those who don't ever hunt out of a ground blind like a shadow hunter, you're missing out because that Ooh, was so very. Nice. Very nice experience. It's a, a very what what is that noise? Say you or me? I don't think it's me. <laughs> What's going on here? Anyway, it's a very very nice uh, feeling to sit in that wonderful uh, blind while you're hunting. So and 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 you know we um, love like redneck hunting blind, shadow hunter. Those type of things are just absolutely incredible. Anyway, uh, turkey season was awesome. It's very successful this year. For myself, uh, very happy to finally get a turkey. It's been a few years now, actually, since I've uh, harvested a turkey. So that was a cool experience. And then, you know, we got through 20, I believe, 22 episodes we finished up in the spring, which was wonderful. So thanks to all the people who took part in the show. Um, you know, spring's an interesting time to, for the podcast because it's it's kind of like the dead zone time. It starts to die down. Turkey season's the only real big thing going on. And uh, and then the total archery challenge, those are like the two things kind of happening during the spring. So it kind of dies down. And to be honest, we don't get as many, um, you know, people that want to be on the show at that time. They just, you know, they're not into it or busy. So the fall, this fall's kicking off very hot. We have like four EPs every Wednesday going on. You guys are going to see about two. We're probably going to launch two episodes per week here in September and then through the fall because we have so many EPs, so many guests that want to come on. Generally in the fall, you're going to see a lot because you, you also have all the bow manufacturers who want to launch their stuff. You have special guests start to come on. You have bow manufacturers friends they want on right so you get a lot of a, a lot of things going on during the fall which is very exciting and I, I just it's wonderful because it, people have a lot to listen to and there's just so much good content about to hit you guys uh starting off uh we're starting off with zach smith uh from american outdoor brands which is huge if you guys haven't seen what they do but he's actually from Shrade specifically Shrade knives but he is going to talk about trade knives on this episode. He's also going to talk about um, the overall American outdoor brands, which includes amazing things like Bubba knives. I know you guys have seen that 
uh for fishing generally you know old timer uncle henry knives as well tons of stuff cadwell and bog i mean these are brands that are legendary in the field and uh, not bog boots bog death grip yeah the death grip which if you guys haven't used that it's unbelievable so uh he's gonna kick off our season here right after this episode that'll be the next episode you hear this week and uh it's gonna be cool you know and and, and uh tim let's let's do this real quick you know let's just kind of rehash to people what we've been up to, you know, because we take a summer off too. We take off August. Everything you guys have heard in August was pre-recorded. Uh, in September, everything you're going to hear is within a week. So it's actually kind of exciting, uh, a little closer to actual record time. Uh, but Tim, tell me about your summer, uh, and then I'll get into my my vacations. I'll let you go. Yeah, first. yeah, no, for sure. I wanted to say real quick, um, you know, the beginning part of the season too has been, um, I, I think, a little bit better because we did a little bit more internal talking little bit more podcast ourselves and that was kind of twofold we we did that because like dave said the the hunting industry side of things kind of tones down a little bit during that period of time but it also relates back to the the little bit of and and you guys have probably seen this obviously with the podcast name a little bit of a rebrand that we went through right so dave and i did a lot of talking over the last year as though like we want to kind of expand our conversations into what we're going to talk about, what Dave's asking me about, which is, okay, Tim, you know, we went turkey hunting, but what have you been up to the last couple of months, right? Um, And we wanted to share those kind of life experiences and outdoor activities that we do every day, not just the hunting stuff um, that that we do. And so that's why we kind of went this outdoor podcast direction um, that gives us the opportunity to still bring you all the great content from the hunting industry, but kind of expand those conversations into all the other aspects of outdoor life, hunting, fishing, biking all of that other stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis so thanks i I just wanted to say that real quick uh kind of give a little bit of a rundown of the the first part of the season and why everybody saw a big logo change and all that kind of stuff um but my my season so my my first half of the year um this is the way it kind of goes for me if if i have time to do ice fishing i do it this year i got out i think twice it was it was good successful runs so that that's kind of the way i kick off my year then it kind of goes into a lull a little bit um, where we get into Turkey and we have uh, walleye runs on, on the Detroit River. So we'll do some of that. And myself, turkey wise, I went with Dave and had uh, had a great experience with him sitting sitting in that shadow hunter and uh, seeing him get his, his first bird in a couple of years. But being part of that apex challenge, too, um, and being able to experience that I did not get one myself. I was a little bit selective, if you will. I got a pretty decent bird last year and I just kind of didn't shoot. I, I I had a couple shots this year, but just kind of passed and then never uh, was able to really get back out, unfortunately. But that is because um, what kicks off for me every year, mid to late April is camping season and camping season for me and my family is uh, is a big thing. Um, we do uh, a lot of camping um it's hard for us as a family during the winter months if you will the novembers decembers januarys and februarys um to just be in the house and and do like winter activities but not go camping because we love it so much so we kick our season off early um usually uh early april the weather's nice but but if not early april then definitely mid to late april is really when we have our first camping trip and uh, we do that all throughout the year and it kind of builds up to a uh, big camping trip that we always do every year for two weeks we pick pick a different area of the united states to travel to 
Um, and this year I just got back. I know we're going to be uh, listening to this in September. I got back right at the end of uh, July here. Um, just got back in uh, from Cape Charles. And a lot of people may not, may not have heard of Cape Charles, but Cape Charles is a little bit of peninsula um, in Virginia on the um, opposite side of Chesapeake Bay from Virginia Beach. So Vir Virginia Beach has a, uh, they're, they're kind of the opening to the Chesapeake Bay area. And there's this long 17 mile bridge that spans the uh, width of the Chesapeake Bay opening from Virginia Beach all the way over to Cape Charles. And uh, we actually stayed at this really awesome camping resort, uh, private, they had a private beach. Um, pools and a whole bunch of uh, activities, biking trails. Oh my gosh, biking trails we got to talk about in a little bit, but just a ton of stuff to do. So I came back fully rested from that, um, loving life, doing a bunch of outdoor stuff. We did a fishing charter while we were there as well. Came back with a boatload of Spanish mackerel uh, on the boat and it was just a great time. So for us, the beginning part of the year, um, you know, it, it is ice fishing, a little bit of turkey, and then uh, absolutely some camping in there as well. And Dave, you and I got out a couple times this year camping with the families, and that was fun. Yeah, that was a good time. Uh, earlier in the year, we went camping right off the bat, right around Total Archery Challenge time frame. Um, and then another time we did it at another location that was, um, uh, I think it's like Ypsilanti, Michigan or something. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Ypsilanti, um, Ann Arbor area. Yep. But it was during that time. I think it was at that time or I don't know. Which I time think it was Memorial that. Day weekend. When's the one time where you made that, that brisket? That was a, that was the other. Yeah. That, that was so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Tim made a brisket and then he made this Mexican corn on the cob, which was unbelievable at meal. It was one of the best ones I've ever had camping. Honestly, Tim, it was hats off, man. It was you guys have still not guessed my secret ingredient. No, I haven't, but I am going to steal it next time. And then I'm going to have it <laughs> analyzed by an engineer or something reverse engineer. Yeah. I'll um, make it a big match. So I'll get you some for sure. Well, this past week I was, I was uh, camp with Jamie and he made uh, an incredible Philly cheesesteak sub. And it was in, it was like very well done. He bought like shredded beef and then, uh, he had onions and peppers and we threw it on an onion bun. Oh my God, dude, with cheese. And then uh, he had bought these, you know, sometimes it's interesting to me that when you uh, make a meal, if you forget one important thing, it kind of can technically ruin the meal, you know? And Jamie had went above and beyond by buying this little jar of these yellow peppers that were like full pepper, but small, like tiny little full peppers, but they're yellow and they're in this jar and it said hot peppers of some sort. I forgot the name of them. They were banana peppers, but they look like a banana pepper, basically, you know, like a pepperoncini, like that, like that, but a whole yeah. one, right. But they're hot too. Maybe it was a pepperoncini. Anyway. So him and I just picked a few out of the jar, took the stem off and put them in that sub. And it was unbelievable. So good. And it was hot though, but it was so good. And I was like, dude, nope. You're just, I don't know what it is, man. You, you and Tim got going on when it comes to cooking for in camp settings. I mean, he loved, I could tell Jamie, Jamie hates camping, but I absolutely know he loves cooking while he's camping. He can say all he wants about how it's all this work, but he, you see him back there. He's like dancing while he's cooking. Like he's just, <laughs> I love it. it you know what it, it is funny there is something different about cooking outdoors and for me it's not just cooking camping I love cooking on my deck like I I have a camp I have a camp chef uh smoker and I have a blackstone like a like a griddle 
um, type of thing. And uh, that, that we we took the griddle out to um, our camping trip at Virginia Beach, and uh, you can it, it's so versatile, man. We I did some stuff that we've never done before. We did some ramen teriyaki stir fry um mm -hmm. shrimp stir fry on the on the griddle and it was just amazing amazing stuff um but yeah cooking i don't know what it is it is relaxing and i i don't yeah i like and don't don't i know what you're gonna do because next time we go camping you'll be like tim's cooking because he said this on the podcast tim's bringing um, a blackstone <laughs> but there is something about cooking for large groups of people that i actually enjoy more than just cooking yeah. for me or me and my family too yeah. Oh, for sure. I like I, cooking I, for other people to enjoy it, I guess is my point. Oh, for sure. I had made something. I don't usually cook a lot. Generally, I try my best and I'm not the best at it, but I'll do, I'll try some things. And the other camp, we went to a camp. I went with Jamie at a different time and uh, my wife and his wife are really good friends. Just FYI, if you guys are wondering why that always happens, but that's what happens. So anyway, um, they had went, uh, they had a big camp thing with their neighbors and we went to that. And um, anyway, I made, this uh I had, I had this idea in my mind it was like brewing in my mind for like two or three days and i took uh ramen noodles and i cooked like five packs of ramen noodle i took like uh, a flats a flat uh on my camp chef they have the flat grill the iron grill whatever you call it and um i i basically cooked shrimp i put shrimp on there first seared the shrimp and i threw on like anything i could really find to be honest it was like jalapenos um some other pepper uh, onion, you know, and I fried all that together, shrimp and all those veggies might've been like zucchini too, or something. Then I threw the ramen on top. I threw uh, those crisp, those Chinese crisp hot things, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like a jar. Yeah. I dumped that in there. I threw some uh, sauce on there. I had some um, Kung Pao chicken or something sauce. Sounds I, I just mixed the crap out of it, dude. Oh, spinach too. That's what it was. And I mixed the crap out of it and I started giving it to everybody and they, everybody loved it. It was like, it was like a, uh, late night, it's like fifth meal, right? They call it fifth meal. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. Like at 10 p.m., you know, I was like, hey, you know what? Let me just cook all this up. And to be honest with you, I've gotten to this point where I, I want to get, I just want to get rid of the stuff too, you know, without it going bad, right? Or taking it home, especially in camping, right? Like we had this big thing of bacon at camp this past weekend, and and um, you know, James like, oh, I'll make bacon, so he's making bacon. I'm thinking. I'm just making mine too. You know, let's just make all the bacon. You know what I mean? Like, and sure enough, all the kids ate it. Everybody eats it. You know, bacon's like some people just grab a piece, you know? So I made all mine as well. And and to be honest with you, uh, I got this big bucket system from Walmart. It's like a bucket pail and it's got the insert and you put it under the oil area. And it's not the one that came with it. The one that came with it works, but it's tiny. So this big pail thing was amazing, dude. Like I, all the grease, everything was, I could just simply just pull it down off that flat grill and it would just go right into that trap you know and it was gone nice. like it looked it would look like a brand new grill every time i was grilling something and if you don't ever if you've never used a camp chef flat grill or a blackstone then you wouldn't know that you have to actually use them a lot to keep them from going bad that's like one of the things about those is like you constantly use it and it'll constantly be oiled and greased because you're constantly cooking on it so it's really important to continue to use it and season it constantly um so it, it just looked like a brand new grill, dude. I'm sitting there doing this. I'm thinking, wow, this is awesome, you know? Um, so I cooked, we cooked breakfast. We cooked, uh, I, I did smash burgers. First time I've done like a smash burger. And uh, I actually did it right, except for I didn't have the onion, which takes away a lot of it, I know. So basically I did a smash burger, but it was just the burger and, and cheese. And that's it. But the you got time, that crisp part on that burger? I got it though. I did get it. Yeah. 
See, but I, I, want that, you- I mean, that's the true, that's the true smash burger is when you get that crispiness of that burger. Yeah. And um, I also, so I have an idea. So this weekend they're going back to uh, camping again. It's the wise week uh, coming up here. So they, I had to drop off the camper, stay one night, and then they they hang out for a couple of days just for them and the kids anyway. But so I'm going to cook Saturday night at some point, but I'm going to do a smash burger again. But this time I recognize I need to put the onions down first, take the hamburger, drop it on top and smash it over the onions. I even saw a video where they put mustard over the whole hamburger before they even do it. So it's like all smeared and mustard. That was, yeah. So I was going to try a couple like that just to see if it's any good or if it's bad. And then I'm going to buy pickles, like some really good pickles to put on there, like spicy pickles. And that's going to be a good smash. That sounds delicious, actually. Yeah. A spicy sweet pickle to me sounds delicious on there, but um, because I'm just not a I'm I'd, I'd rather have sweet than dill. Um, but I oh, use a idea. dome. I use a dome for my onions, and I yeah. and I sweat my onions. Um, I do smash them in there sometimes, but not all the time. I do it kind of more. I do I do smash burger. Um, but then I then I usually layer down like a slider with with yeah. my onions and my cheese. But um, that sounds delicious, man. Sounds we had good. so much good I'm, food when we. I'm went getting hungry. Getting hungry. So yeah. look, I'll fill you in real quick on this trip I did this out east trip real quick since I we haven't talked about it. Um, so camping aside, we decided to go out east uh, with Shannon's uh, family, my wife's family, and um, we went. So we went to New York, went to uh, Finger Lakes, stayed there for uh, about three or four nights with her relatives from Maryland. So that was a good time. And then we went over to Boston, went to Massachusetts, went to Boston, um, hung out downtown, went to the aquarium, went to uh, Fenway Park for a baseball game. That was really cool. Um, went to Little Italy, went to a place called Carmela's. It was an excellent Italian. I mean, best Italian I probably ever had in my life, to be honest. It was that good. Uh, just an incredible dishes there. Um, tiny, tiny restaurant. And it was just a really good experience. Went to, um, I believe it's called um, Mike's or something. It's like a pastry shop. It's like really well known in Boston, I guess. So we went there. That was cool. There's like a, this, this is like in little Italy area, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Um, so everything was good. My Bunker Hill area. Yeah, we, we saw a lot of stuff. We also went to Salem and we got to see uh, the witch trials where that was taking place. How do you like Salem? love Salem. I would go back to Salem in a heartbeat. I actually really enjoyed Salem a lot because I like Halloween. So I'm a Halloween uh, fanatic. I love Halloween. So there wasn't like a ton to do in Salem, but like the thing about Salem is it just has that atmosphere of Halloween. So like, I just love it. Like it's something about it. It's like when you go to hunt camp, you get that giddy feeling. I get that feeling when I was at Salem. Like I was like, this is crazy. When you over in Salem, did you go and see um, the uh, set from Hocus Pocus at all? No, I see. I didn't get a chance to see that or uh, Hubie Halloween. There's two different things that were filmed there. Gotcha. So I, I'm kind of disappointed to see it, but I, I told myself we only we were only there for like a couple hours, you know. So gotcha. I told myself, well, I want to go back someday and spend a lot more time in the area. We went to a restaurant called Longboard. It was incredible food. That, you know, really good. I actually got a Big Mac pizza. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was really good. I was like, dang, I, this is gonna be nasty. I'm like, oh, it's so good. Um. So you, any, uh, so you you went to but you from Boston you you went out to Acadia though right correct so then we met Kevin okay. over in Acadia National Park from after Boston we drove four hours northeast to Acadia in Maine before we got to Acadia though, we stopped in this uh, little city town I don't know the name of it it's too hard for me to remember but it's it's a long name but it was really cool it was like a coastal town. And uh, we we went to lunch there. We walked out by the water, saw these rock structures. It was a very cool, cool little town. 
fun, very fun town. And uh, so then from there, we, we got to Acadia. When we got to, we were camping in Acadia, outside of Acadia, of course. So we were camping at campground outside of Acadia with Kevin in his RV. And so we stayed with him. And um, we, uh, the first thing that happened was we had to get to this meal. They had a, a, a lobster meal uh, Kevin had set up. Lobster. With- Fresh lobster right from the ocean. They cook it lobster. right in front of you. Lobster. lobster. There's no R. Lobster. Apparently, they have the only soft shell crab in the world is out of that area. And you can't, they can't export or import it or something like that. So that's how they keep a that's lot of that cool. money internal. But soft shell crab, oh, lobster, I mean, and uh, lobster. Wow. And, lobster. um, and anyway, so like he apparently I didn't know this either. I guess the claws are the softest meat, not the tail. So people assume the tail, but really it's the claws. And so I ate the claws. They were so good. Like, and then the tail was, tail was good, but tougher. I could tell then after he said that, I realized, but the worst part about it, it, I, you know, again, guys, I don't eat lobster every day. So keep that in mind. And, and not only did I not eat lobster every day, I don't eat whole lobster like that, right? Where they put a whole lobster in front of you. Well, when you take it all apart, there's this like in the brain area, there's all this nasty poop looking mucus. And the guy's like, some people actually eat that. Yeah, suck that out, man. Yeah, I was like, and then it got on my meat. I'm like, I'm like trying to wash it in water. I'm like, I don't like that on there. That looks. Yeah, I got to take you over to Fishbones by my house and get a bucket of crayfish. They they come out, they steam them whole in a bucket, and then you 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 take it out and you suck the brains out. So good, it is good stuff. But okay, so you've eaten crab before, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You've eaten lobster. What one would you prefer, crab or lobster? Uh, I like my crab legs the best. Yeah, I love crab. I'm the same way. I can eat crab we, legs all day. We went to Boston last year and we had lot, we had a ton of lobster, um, when we were out there and it's not that we don't like it, but at the end of it, you were like, you know, to be honest, I don't like it as much as crab. Yeah. Crab, crab to me is uh it's a better, better taste. Uh, I, I get, I get why people like lobster. I, I really do. But, uh, if it were me and you gave me the choice, I'd be pick, picking crab legs. So. Yeah. And then, so then for there, you know, we, it was all foggy. It was foggy every day in the main, it was terrible fog. I remember you texted me. Like, I'm it was so depressed. There's no was, sun here. It was like a four day waste of time, to be honest, if I'm being honest, it was yeah. a cool experience the first day. Second day was like, this is getting old quick. Third day is like, what am I doing here? Four days, like, get me out of here, you know? Cause there's no beaches or anything. No animals. There. Didn't see any animals. I saw a wow. roadkill. I saw a turkey. Uh, I didn't see anything. Now, please keep in mind, uh, Tim and I went out west to Yellowstone. And I've been to Custard, and I see animals every day, hundreds of animals every day, bison, all this cool stuff. So then when I get to Acadia, I'm like, what is there here? It's just some walking paths and some cool rock structures. I mean, that was it. I, I wasn't, I see more animals in Michigan than I saw in Acadia, which I thought was crazy. You know, I'm we, thinking- we saw more in Virginia than you saw in Acadia over our trip. There you go. For real. So, I didn't see any big game animals. So I don't even know what the heck they yeah. have there. Uh, but anyway, it, it, but we we did go to uh, Acadia Park. We went to Bar Harbor in Acadia. That was really cool. It's like a little uh, town right outside. The, to, it's probably in Acadia. I don't know the you know map part of it, but it was really cool little town. Like they had like a lot. They had like lobster, lobster rolls. I had that. That was fun. Irish Bar, um, Bahaba, Bahaba. Yeah, it was Bahaba. And then uh, I heard some guy talking one time when he was walking. He was talking about what he said. He was saying something to his dad. He, they were walking. He had a huge accent, Eastern accent. Um, it definitely was a Boston accent or maybe Philadelphia, but it was like, oh, it was card. It was card. He's like, he's like, did you send mom the cod? The cod? The cod? The, cod? the fish? She's going to need the, some the water. Cod? 
She's gonna need some water. The fish and chips? What you talking about? It's card, but he said he said it like cod, cod, yeah. like cod, C O D. I was like, I was like, wow, that's really heavy accent. Um, <laughs> I love he it. probably thinks we have a heavy accent, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. No doubt. And then from there, we went to New Hampshire. So Shan's got an uncle that lives out that way. We stopped to see him for a couple of days. That was a great experience. New Hampshire is beautiful, and he lives in the mountains. So we got to actually walk down trails in these mountains. It was all sunny every day. There was a big rainstorm that had gone through, and um, the yeah. river. Kevin, Kevin's are the place where he rented uh, to to stay with the camper had a river right behind it, and the river water was so high it was like a foot away from the edge, like coming onto the campground. Um, cause it was so much water. It was like rushing, you know, but beautiful area. And then from there we went home and we went to, um, we went to, uh, Vermont on the way out. Didn't do much there. Just stopped at a couple small things and then, then pushed it home, man. New York, oh, New York so long that state. New York was fun. I, we had a good time in New York and it was a good, very good experience. I, uh, Northern or upstate Not New, New York, York city beautiful. though. Not no, New no, York no, no, no. Upstate New York is awesome. I didn't realize how nice of a state they have. It's, it's a beautiful state, especially the northern parts of it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I do think that we um we probably saw more wildlife than you saw. Um, mm. I one one of the coolest one of the one of the coolest things that we did, um, was one of the first days we were there. We are at the uh, peninsula of, of um, Virginia, and about an hour and a half north starts the uh, Assateague um, Barrier Island or bar barrier coast or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and right at the tip i'm not going to pronounce the name right but it's like chino teague or something like that there, there's a chino teague like national park and they have wild horses there right so we we ended up uh, one of the first days packed up the i think this is actually the first full day we were there we packed up the bikes put them in the back of the truck we drove up there in the morning and we did a like a seven mile bike ride and uh we we wanted we so we there, there's two different populations of wild horses ones on the south side they're fairly easy to find because they have a fence that blocks them from going into the north side but there's still a huge range and we did see them that was cool but we wanted to make it up to the north ones and so we started riding up the road um and we get up maybe about four miles or so and uh it, it's not that we couldn't have gone but there's a sign that says no no bikes past this point like or this area is closed you know so we're like mm -hmm. yeah all right well will not do it. You know, it's not the right choice, but there's this little trail that led off towards the coast. So we about, I don't know, three quarters of a mile, we rolled that trail and it ends on this big sand dune. And we park the bikes, walk over the sand dune, and it just opens up to the Atlantic Ocean, right? It just wow. is That's huge cool. and it's empty. There's nobody around. It's just us. You can't see anybody anywhere. And so when we're crusting the dune to come over um, to go onto the beach, um, this pot of dolphins are like 20 feet from the beach, just swimming around, you wow. know? And that was like one of the coolest experiences to like go out there and bike out there and then crest this dune and then see these, see these dolphins that come out, which was really cool. Um, and then the wild horses on top of it. So we saw that on the Chesapeake Bay bridge slash tunnel, which is this really um, amazing bridge. It, it's a 17 mile long bridge across Chesapeake Bay um two tunnels and then the rest bridge we saw an unbelievable amount of osprey just chilling on the bridge fishing for fish in the uh, in the ocean so that was really cool as well one of the coolest things that we saw though which was not an animal is we're crossing the bridge one day and we're looking out to our right and my wife's like what is that in the water and i'm looking i'm like well no way dude there was a submarine 
Today's episode is brought to you by Sig Sauer, keeping you safe in and out of the field, but also keeping you in the field longer with Sig's lamp of cross rifles, optics, ammo, and more. Learn all about it at SigSauer.com. Also brought to you by Tinks, Dead Downwind, Burris, Vapor Trail, Stokerized, Arizona Archery Enterprises, Apex Rewards, and Easton. Last year, Reveal by Tacticam quickly became the most sought-after scouting camera in America, making cellular scouting available to any hunter. We ask our users how we can make this outstanding camera even better, and this is our answer. Introducing the all-new Reveal X. Even easier setup, better battery life, faster trigger speed, on-demand HD photos, extended detection range. This season, find out what all the buzz is about. Get a new Reveal X by Tacticam. Submarine cruising through the Chesapeake Bay because you know they got Norfolk there, which Jeez. is like the big Navy base. Yeah, and there was a cute. literal submarine heading out to the Atlantic Ocean. You could see like the two the two tops of the submarine cruising at the surface of the water. That was really cool. That was really cool. Really, really cool. That's awesome. But uh, we did a ton of biking, man, on that trip. I don't know if you guys got to do any biking while you're out in uh, Katy or anything like that. Mm. Um, but that that has to be one of the highlights of our trip is right from our campground there were there there was a, a preserve across the street and then up the road about four miles there was a state park and there's these amazing bike trails that lead to both and it was every day every morning or every evening or really when we got bored me and the boys and sometimes the wife would jump on the bikes and we would just take off and we would do seven or eight miles a day wow. and uh, just kind of go exploring on the bikes Aiden Aiden my oldest um, we were riding and we we're going down this dirt road to get to this uh preservation area that i saw on the map and we're riding down this dirt road and there's like one house on the whole road and we get up to the house and as soon as and i'm in front of aiden and when i'm riding in front of this house this huge black dog comes barreling from behind the house and starts barking and chasing right so like i turn up the speed on the bike and i take off and i'm looking back watching aiden and aiden's sitting there going what do i do and he stops and i'm like what are you what? doing i'm like keep going you know um so so he he ends up taking off and the dog didn't do anything the dog could have because he stopped yeah. Um, and, and it just started barking at him, but I was just laughing my butt off. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop it. He played the other game. No chase. He's like, I'll fight baby. And that thing got scared. It's like, wait a minute. Oh man. So it was a great time. Um, I would go back there again. I, I'm not, not a huge fan of Virginia beach itself. I'm not just, just not a touristy type of guy, Yeah. you know, the boardwalk and all that kind of stuff. But Cape Charles, where we stayed on that peninsula, um, it was rural farm country everywhere. Um, and it was just so relaxing. I would do that again in a heartbeat. Um, but you guys that are listening better not book it up during the last two weeks of July when I go, because I still <laughs> want a spot over there if I decide to go back. Yeah, we had, uh, we just got back from Mackinac and that was cool in Michigan. Uh, Mackinac city is beautiful. And oh, cool. we went over to the Island. The Island's cool, man. For people who haven't seen like the, that type of stuff in Michigan, you're really missing out. There's a lot of great stuff here. But I'll be honest, dude, it was so jammed over there. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a deep city or something like in New York City. So like, there's so many people. I mean, yeah. I, I, I there's just, it was just crazy. Then the locals were getting mad. I could tell. They're like, get off the side of the road because it's all biking. There's no cars allowed over there and stuff. It's actually where the governor's mansion is, like things like that. It's like very specific old piece of property that, you know, it's Big Island, you know, of course. But 
Um, there are people who live on it. It's crazy. Like, and they don't have cars. They but just... there's no cars allowed. It's only horse and buggy and bikes. You know, I don't even know how you live there. You know, if it's like an exclusive club to even buy a house there, I don't even know how it works. But I'm sure it's very expensive. <laughs> oh um, God, I can't imagine. Yeah. It's millions probably. Yeah, I'm sure um, it's very expensive. But it is a cool island. But yeah, you're right. I mean, in the summertime, you can't even walk down the sidewalks in the road because there's just so many people. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy how many people there are. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, with this show too, guys, I do want to cover some important topics in the industry of what's going on too in the outdoor and the space that we're seeing or hearing of. And I just want to keep you guys in the loop on things you might not have heard of and maybe you don't know. And I, so I, anytime Tim and I do this show together, I, I definitely want to have a segment about news and updates that I have found or Tim has found about it. And today's is actually a pretty crazy one. Um, and I, and again, I don't ever like to get political, so I don't want you guys to think that this is going through politics. And I apologize if you feel that way, because that's not where I'm going with this. I don't want to talk left or right or, you know, black or white or anything like that. It, it's really just the concept of what's happening. Um, you know, your viewpoints on who you want to you know, vote for and things like that really have no meaning to me, um, you know, or Tim. Like, it's this is like, you know, a non-political show. We don't want to get political by any means. However... This topic is very important to me and to Tim, I'm sure, but this one's very a big deal. And it's it's not something that um, we we need to talk about it because you need to know about it and know that it's happening. Uh, and these types of things need to be looked at and, uh, you know, um, show, you know, things like ATA, uh, NRA, uh, companies like that need to get involved, our foundations to try to help fix these type of things. Anyway. The uh, article is, it was on Fox News, so of course it's going to be one way, right? I get all that, but it's still a true story. And it says, Biden administration confirms it's withholding key funds for schools with hunting courses. GOP calls it shameful. And I want to be very clear that this is absolutely ridiculous, right? Like if this is, you know, 100% true, which I don't know, you know, it's on Fox News, take it for what you want, but maybe research it on some other things and see if it's, actually I'll just do it right now. I'll Google it on other things. But anyway, it, to take away the basics. Um... I, I read that article, by the way, and um, it's horrible. It says, here's another article about it. It says, experts warn defunding school hunting and archery programs will contribute to mental health crisis. So there's just more of, if you Google what I, I just stated. So listen. I feel like there's an issue here where people are coming after our, our, our heritage of outdoors and it's not a good thing, right? This is a very bad, bad thing, right? Teaching archery in schools is teaching hunting and archery in schools is probably one of the things that keep people the most safe when, when they're, when they're put in place or put in front of a weapon or something like that, these kids would have a feeling of what to do to stay safe because they've been trained a little bit, right? They've been given, so they're, they're flipping this to make it seem like hunting and, and archery is what's causing them to do all these bad things, but that's not the case. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. That's It's going to do the opposite effect. It's going to make it worse because people won't know how to handle it when they come across a real gun or a real bow and how to handle safe that because no one has taught them. So like, it's a little ridiculous to say that we're not, we're going to withhold something for someone's sport or things they love. Plus, and I'll, I'll let Tim go. I know he's itching to say something, but plus, this is our heritage. This isn't like something new. You need to know how to hunt. You need how to protect yourself and you need to know how to provide for your family through hunting. This is why during COVID, so many people bought bows and bought archery equipment and guns and all that because they needed to learn to hunt. They got nervous that they'd have to actually go out and kill a deer to pr pr provide food for their family. All right, go ahead, Tim. Sorry. 
Uh, you should probably get the uh, beeper button ready. Um, but let, let, where do I start? Let me start off by saying it's complete BS. And the federal government should have no role in deciding what that local school wants to offer by way of educating for hunting classes and all that kind of stuff. You know, they, 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 they focus so much on the broader media covered what's going on with gun violence and violence and gun rights and all that kind of stuff and miss the mark so many times and all the community out communities out there um, that aren't in those, those mindsets, right? Like the, you think about the rural school districts and that kind of thing where hunting is a way of life. Hunting is a tradition. Um, and to take that away from, from the schools is just, absolutely or, or stop funding for the school if they offer those types of programs is absolutely atrocious not to mention what you said where those types of programs may be the only time that they ever get that type of education where they would never get that before and i'll give you an example um back when i was in um elementary late late elementary school early middle school um we had a boating safety course in school, okay? So we went through a boating safety course through our school district, and I'll never forget the things that I learned. I had never been on a boat at that point in my life, um, never never thought that I would. You know, I think I was eight or nine years old. My parents didn't own a boat. I'd never been on one. Um, but learning the rules, learning the safety, learning all that stuff, stuck with me at that young age where when I was on a boat later in life and all that stuff, I remembered all. Um, so to take that type of education away from our children is just absolutely, absolutely BS. And I, I, I don't know, I don't know how we can stand for stuff like that in our, in our country. And I'm not even going to get into the political side of, yeah, we're not going to do this, but then they're going to promote other, other things that really should be stopped. Right. But in, in regards to, the gender stuff and all that, you know, type of conversation. Um, but it's just atrocious to me that that you would stop funding for a school because they offer programs that are do, trying to do nothing but educate and keep and 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 promote safety. So yeah. it's just it's ridiculous. Some of the some of the comments are good too on here. It says an interesting hypothesis would be whether those students who were involved in shooting or sports shooting activities and competitions are less likely to shoot another human being. My guess is that they are less likely and that those activities make communities safer rather than more dangerous. Another person says, well, I don't personally hunt. I have trained my kids at the range on how to be safe. We enjoy the sport of it. I, I will say that hunting is not just a sport, but is a necessity in controlling populations of animals in order to maintain grazing. This is, this, but the thing about this is, guys, there's a lot of hunters out there. Okay, whether it doesn't matter if you're in a lot, a lot of people don't hunt, but they believe in hunting. They understand the concept of population control. They understand the importance of gun safety. They import the importance of archery safety. The importance of uh, being able to feed a family if necessary. So, like these are, but these are like ingrained in our. That's why I always tell people. The archery, the heritage of, of not just archery, but hunting is ingrained in every single one of us, every single one of us in our DNA, there has been hunting at some point. And that's why I say like, some, why would you know, any, why would any administration ever touch the concept of hunting outdoors and anything or get involved in a negative way? It makes no sense to me. Uh, and, you know, with our states, 
this is another a good example of, uh, you know, they need to step up like Michigan specifically. We're a huge hunting state, right? This is not, we expect our governor to stand up to something like this. This is not acceptable in our opinion. And not just this state, all the red states that are Ohio, not red states when I say it like that, but I mean, red states as in the high quantity hunting states. So the most people, I was looking at a spreadsheet in, in, the, in the next podcast that shows of these different states, the red ones have the highest population. That's what I meant by that. Not specifically Democrat Republicans, not what I'm getting at. Even though I would assume most Republican states are really big hunters. Although but we are, we are, and we're blue right now. And we're a blue state. So there you go. Yeah. Michigan's one of the largest uh, hunting, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, you know, but again, uh, the federal government shouldn't be overreaching like that, especially targeting us as outdoors uh, men and women. It's just not right. It just so tells anyway. me that there's another agenda out there. And I wish th- this is the time, you know, I wish Jamie was on, on on here so I could start poking him a little bit because here's the deal. That would be dangerous. There's, there's an agenda here <laughs> that's going on that has nothing to do with the actual science of hunting, population control, safety, you know, actual safety and making things better for people and the quality of their life. Um, you know, it, it just, it, it's all politicized and it's just such BS that the federal government politicizes such issues like this, because we already have enough problems at Hunter with hunters at the state level and amongst ourselves fighting amongst ourselves between gun hunting and archery hunting and crossbows and not, you know, all that kind of stuff where we don't need to add the federal government on top of that. Right. So it's just, it's just ridiculous. To but me. the scarier part about this guys, isn't that they're coming after us. They're coming. This is after going after our children. Right. And, and saying that our children are not allowed to learn the basics of archery and hunting at an early age. I mean, archery specifically, right. That's ridiculous. Like archery is a sport. It's a competition yeah. in the Olympics. Like, what are you talking about? What yeah. is this? How does archery have to do with anything you're talking about? So hunting and archery shouldn't be touched in my opinion. And I think most of your opinions who are going to watch this, but I would just suggest that, Hey, you know, don't let this fade away and let them do this behind the scenes share. We put, we post this link on our Facebook page on bow hunter plants, Facebook page, share that link, make sure people know what's being trying to happen here. Um, so we can make sure that it doesn't happen by voting the right way when it comes time, you know, this is our chance and also fighting it within our States individually, trying to work it way up, um, that these types of things, this is what they try to slide by quietly. That's the point. And, and we don't want to see that. So that's why we brought it up today. So that's it. That's all I had to say about that news article that really upset me when I saw it. Um, anyhow, Tim. Yeah, uh, man. I don't know. <laughs> sorry Forget for it. I'm gone. Let's end this. I'm, I'm yeah. done. <laughs> sorry for the downer. <laughs> yeah. Happy. No, but here's the deal guys. Uncamp's so, coming. Yeah. So, so podcast, right. Um, we got a lot of content coming. I know we talked about this at the beginning of the show, but we have a lot of content coming out, um, you know, coming up here in the fall session of our recording. And uh, as Dave mentioned earlier, we're going to be launching those a lot quicker to the actual recording date um, that we're recording this stuff. So right now we're about, I think we're recording this about a month before this podcast is going to launch. Uh, but as we get into the fall season, we're going to be launching fairly quickly and and trying to keep you guys up to speed um, when, when hunting really kicks off into, into a lot more hunting-related topics and podcasts and uh, bring you a lot more contact. So stay tuned. Um, you know, we're going to run uh, – that new fall session is running – this is the kickoff episode for it, so it'll run now really to the end of the year. And uh, we can't wait to see how this all evolves, man. I, we had a lot of great conversations last year. It was an amazing podcast year. We had a ton of fun, ton of conversations, and – you all supported our podcast so much and so well 
um, that we just hope to continue this to, to go forward and uh, really bring you the same content that we always have. So stay tuned and uh, we can't wait to uh, bring in some more stuff here coming up. Thanks guys. We'll see you next time. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. Done.